2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Your fearless hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko, both with you today. Joe suffering through a stomach flu. This is our flu game episode, Joe, our flu game draft week. I've had a cough all week. I'm in much better shape than Joe, though. So we're going to get through this episode. It's a good day for Bengals fans. Our personal health issues aside, and, and I think we'll both be fine, the the news is out there. The anxiety can finally come to a full stop. And it probably could have yesterday if you listen to Adam Schefter's podcast. But today the news is the Bengals are going to pick Joe Burrow. Not a surprise to anybody, but it's nice that it's confirmed. We'll talk about that in the open of the show. Along with maybe some notes about what we got from Dave Lapham on Mo Egger's show today. It doesn't sound like he has any idea. And then Joe and I have prepared our own seven-round predictive-style mock drafts, and we'll cover those for the second two segments of the show. But let's first talk about the news that we've all been waiting for. Joe, it has been confirmed by Adam Schefter on The Dan Patrick Show, by local reporters Tyler Dragon and Jeremy Rao, by Diana Russini, and it seems like all of these reporters have different sources or maybe they share some of the same sources but we're hearing that Burrow has been told he's the pick meanwhile Tyler Dragon's source is within the organization he says we're taking Joe Burrow how could you not that kind of sounds like Brian Callahan to me but it could be a scout too it's nice to have any doubt finally fully removed
1: yeah for sure I think this is what we've been waiting for for you know since the entire season ended the process started for the draft January it became pretty evident to us and I think everyone else in January that he would be the first pick but there was always the roller coaster ride throughout this process whether that was um, created by the media or not it left some doubt I think in a lot of Bengals fans minds and to have this finally at the end a day before or if you're listening to this now in the morning of the draft it's nice to have that you know, really calm your fears if you had any left and Joe Burrow will be the number one pick to the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: It was kind of obvious to me. If you listen to Adam Schefter's podcast yesterday, he talked to both Joe Burrow and head coach Zach Taylor in the same podcast. And when he was signing off with Joe, he said, Hey, good luck. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next time in Cincinnati. And it was kind of so matter of fact, and when Adam Schefter speaks that matter-of-factly, as he did in January or February or whenever yeah. it was when he said, I guarantee you Joe Burrow is going to be the pick, you can generally take an Adam Schefter guarantee to the bank. He was on the Dan Patrick show this morning. He told Dan and his crew that they've told everyone, thank you very much, but we're going to take Joe Burrow. Schefter said that teams weren't even having success starting trade talks with the Bengals. This goes along with tweets from Diana Russini from ESPN who said that the Bengals might have been listening to offers a couple months ago, but at this point they might as well not have their phones on, I think was the quote she had from a Bengals source. So for all of the hullabaloo, and if you read the PFT article about this, he still says, oh, this isn't final until it's final, but it's final, Mike Florio. Let's move on. The Bengals draft then probably starts on Friday, Joe. And Dave Lapham was on the Mo Egger show today, 1530 in Cincinnati, to talk about the Bengals' possible targets for the second round. And it didn't sound like he really knows. Maybe he'll have a better idea on Friday, but he listed four or five different positions and multiple players at those positions. My heart skipped a beat a little bit when he starts talking about Logan Wilson in the second round, although maybe that's where he ends up going. He starts talking about Austin Jackson for the Bengals, but he those are just two out of a long list of names that Lapham brought up. Yeah, and I think the hard part,
1: even for anyone who's really good at forecasting or has inside knowledge, the hard part is the Bengals probably want a first-round guy. I saw a quote today from Zach Taylor that they expect multiple first-round options to be available at 33 So I think that changes what you're going to draft. You may want to get an offensive tackle or or a a corner or an an edge rusher or a linebacker. But if there's a guy, maybe it's wide receiver, maybe it's, I don't know. But if they're there and they have a first round grade, I think that's going to change your plans because you would like to get a first rounder with that 33rd pick.
2: And that's along the lines of what Dave Lapham said. He also said that if Jordan Love slips to 33, say the Chiefs or the 49ers picking at the back of the first round decide oh we don't want to trade out we want to sit here and make our pick teams might be trying to trade up to get a fifth year option but if those teams decide you know what we want to stay put the Bengals if that quarterback is there which is doubtful I think could be able to swing a big deal to move back a little bit in the second round as somebody might be coming up for a quarterback now if that's not the case and Dave said this too one of their top 15 players is there well they're going to sit there and take that player
1: Right, they'll be in the same situation as the Chiefs and 49ers where it's, do you want that extra third, whatever the case may be, depending on how far you want to move back, do you want an extra fourth round pick, or do you want to take a guy that's a first round graded player? I think when it comes down to it, uh, I could be convinced really quickly to just take that first round guy.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that fans probably need to understand and probably do understand is that this isn't really a one-year deal. When people talk about, well, why don't you go trade for Trent Williams? Why don't you go trade for OJ Howard? These are guys that if you're if you're trying to win now, yeah, sure, that might make some sense. But they need to build this team most likely over the next two years. It's going to take probably two draft classes to get back on track, even with improved quarterback play. So when you start to talk about you know trade back up into the first round, trade your picks for Quan Alexander, whoever, realize that you're you're kind of mortgaging your future at that point. They probably with the free agent spending they've done, do need to build through the draft for their next go at it in the next few years with Joe Burrow on his rookie deal. We're going to get into our mock drafts then. I've done no trades in mine. I don't know if Joe did any trades in his, but we're going to take turns. Joe's going to ask me what I've done and I'm going to ask Joe what he's done. We're going to talk about the guys that we've picked in those spots. And these are predictive, more predictive in nature than what we would do. Although I'm sure our personal biases Have colored those picks a little bit. So we'll get to those in just a minute. But if you're hanging out with us this weekend, we hope to do a live stream. Uh, That's going to be pending health a little bit. But if we're up to it, we're going to try to be on the internet and see if we can hang out with you guys while the Bengals are making their franchise changing picks. Maybe you need something to eat. Maybe you haven't made your make it home Skyline Chili like I did yesterday. And if you haven't made anything, for the draft if you don't have your draft food ready for a limited time our listeners can get $100 of free delivery from Postmates we'll tell you about that offer Joe doesn't that sound so nice and easy right now when everything else seems like a little bit harder than it has to be
1: yeah indeed I was expecting to order pizza and wings and maybe chicken fingers for the draft maybe day two maybe day three I don't know I'm not sure which day I want to celebrate. Do I want to go nuts on Thursday? It may be health dependent, but for me, one of these days I'm going to order out a lot of food.
2: Yeah. We're going to have to celebrate this in full at some point, but you can get that hundred dollars of free delivery by downloading the Postmates app and using code locked on NFL. That's code locked on NFL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. When you download the Postmates app, that's plenty of time to get you through the draft. Anything you need anytime you need it and that's not just food they'll hook you up from Walgreens 7-Eleven anything you need postmate it
0: if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast
1: So now this is the final step of our process. Right before the NFL draft kicks off, we're going to do a mock draft here. Jake and I have done each our own. We really haven't shared it too much. I did see Jake's only because we kind of uh, had this almost the exact same mock draft. So I was like, all right, I'll go redo it because there are more options than what we ended up with. But uh, we've got our draft board set, and that'll be able to be shared. If you're listening to this Thursday morning, look for it. You know, uh, maybe Jake's um, Twitter will have that out there, and. In- A link for you guys and now that we all know joe burrow is the pick makes the mock draft much easier not that we would have changed it at all but jake let's kick it off with your mock draft first we'll do mine in the next segment and so number one pick any surprise here
2: well how could it be like we know what the pick is if you don't pick joe burrow first in your nfl mock draft this year you're you're starting out on an offer in the first year in a while where we know with 100% certainty who the pick is going to be. So, no, it's it's Joe Burrow. And it has, like, I don't think we've done a single mock draft Monday. This entire offseason where we didn't pick Joe Burrow at the beginning, we were talking about maybe we'll do one where we don't pick Burrow just to see what would happen. And then we, we never did it. Did we did we do the it one once? trade back, okay. but, we, but that's not picking number one. That was a trade back. We we did trade off of it the one time. I, I actually actually forgotten we did that. But you're right. We we did trade back once. It's never it was never gonna happen. This has been the pick forever, and and it's a pick now. And for for us, I think the draft starts Friday. For the most part, we just get to watch tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. We get to watch on Thursday night and see who will the Bengals options be at 33, and that's still fun for different reasons.
1: So let's move on to pick 33 second round. Who do you got there?
2: I, my process for this, I'll start with my process for this a little bit. I just started listing out the guys that I wanted kind of in a hierarchy and an order. And then I started to think about the guys that would be realistic targets. So if a guy like Justin Jefferson or AJ Epinesa fall to this point, that maybe the Bengals have higher grades on maybe gets more complicated. Now, even if it's either of those guys, I might pick the guy that I've got here instead, but I think that the most likely guy to fall to the Bengals at 33 that fits something that I think that they're after is Josh Jones. He can play guard right away. If he has to, he can play tackle right away if he has to. So he can make an immediate impact on this team. He can be a year one starter. He has some positional versatility. So, He might be there at 33, and if he is, that would probably be a very attractive pick to the Bengals. If you're picking between Josh Jones, Patrick Queen, Denzel Mims, I think I'm still on Josh Jones because of the positional value, because of the overall value at 33 for Jones, but there's apparently a very wide range of opinions on his talents in the NFL. He could be anywhere from a top 20 pick and apparently down to the third round, depending on who you ask and what team is drafting
1: yeah i think that's because some teams have him as a guard so if you got to protect him inside it may knock him down a little bit for us i think the bengals would love this pick i would grade it very highly if they did uh, make the selection because i think he would start a guard and eventually play tackle which is exactly what i think they should be looking for so uh i great pick there let's move on to round three who do you got for the bengals
2: so in round three, I decided to be a little conservative with my linebacker targets. I am not imagining that there's going to be a precipitous fall for any of these guys that we think might go near the top of round two. So by the time you get to the third round, I think that Jordan Brooks is almost certainly gone at this point. We had talked about him, you know, just, just a week or two ago as a potential option in the third round. And now I think it's more of a Willie Gay, maybe, and Malik Harrison, maybe, and Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson. And all those guys might even be gone at this point. I think the most likely to be available are probably Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson. And I really like Logan Wilson on tape, so that is the direction I've gone here. There's a fair criticism of his age, and I think that that does present some risk along with quality of competition at Wyoming, but... Despite the arguments that I've been in on Twitter, I think he is a bursty athlete. He's got good straight line speed. His agility scores weren't great, but that honestly, according to PFF, has not been very predictive of NFL success. Logan Wilson, on the other hand, just seems like he knows where he's supposed to be. He has really good read and react skills. I think he is really good at finding the ball in coverage for a linebacker, really strong ball production he had a couple pick sixes he got his hands on some other balls as well so I think that he is a really good fit for what the Bengals need of the linebacker position and I despite the Wyoming pedigree despite the age I think it's pretty good value in the third round this isn't like a slam dunk pick to me the way that if I don't know Jordan Brooks gets to round three I think that's a better value but trying to inject some some realism here. And Logan Wilson was at the Senior Bowl, right? So they're, they're going to know this guy.
1: Mm. And the thing about getting uh, Logan Wilson instead of Akeem Davis Gay there, instead of Malik Harrison, even instead of Jordan Brooks, is that he instantly becomes the nickel linebacker next to Jermaine Pratt. Uh, Logan Wilson is one of the most accomplished cover linebackers in this draft. So I think he is perfect to, to learn behind binds in your base defense. Maybe if you go out there with three linebackers, he can move to weak side or whatever you're going to use him as. And then in your nickel package, it's he and Pratt. And I think that's now two picks in a row. You're getting an instant starter in Josh Jones. You're also getting, you know, quote-unquote, a starter with Logan Wilson in your nickel package. So uh, I think this makes a lot of sense. I would love this pick. He kind of compares to Nick Kwiatkowski for me and was someone we wanted to draft or wanted the Bengals to sign, I'm sorry. And our grading system's, says he is very likely to hit that mark of Nick Kwiatkowski. So this is a good pick for round three.
2: Yeah, I think that there's certainly an argument for Akeem Davis-Gaither here. I still have concerns about his size. And if you're going to talk about quality of competition for Wilson, I think it's the same thing for Davis-Gaither, despite being, again, very accomplished in coverage, a really good pass mm-hmm. rusher. I just have those concerns about Davis-Gaither. And the, Logan Wilson is 241 pounds. and oh, yeah. He runs well, he had good jumps, and those are the things that are pretty predictive to NFL success. So then on day three, I'm really looking for a receiver at this point, and I, I don't think that any of the guys that we would really like are necessarily there. You know, ideal case, I think is probably Brian Edwards for me in the fourth round, but I don't think he's going to be available. So instead, another senior bull guy, Antonio Gandy-Golden is a pick for me because He's the guy that I think is most likely to be available in the fourth round, and he might not be, that can play outside. I think you're going to see a lot of big slot guys and also some small slot guys, but generally guys that are going to be better out of the slot available on day three. At the top of day three, you might get one guy that can play outside. And for me, that's Antonio Gandy-Golden. There are definitely some other options here that would be pretty appealing uh, Lynch, the interior defensive lineman from Baylor, is a guy that I considered mm. here, along with some tackles or tackle guards, maybe. Uh, Pert from UConn, Ben Barch, Sadiq Charles, Jack Driscoll, all guys I considered as well, but ultimately going with another position, Antonio Gandy Golden.
1: Yeah, Antonio Gandy Golden's interesting. He was super productive at Liberty. Again, another smaller school guy here that um, you go back to back basically with Wyoming and Liberty, but. Antonio Gandy-Goldenman, he broke out at a young age, 81 percentile, dominator rating 82 percentile, um, slightly above average testing. PFF loved him with an 85 grade, which is top six or so receivers for them. 2.2 percent drop rate. I would love to have that. If he's on in tape with a little bit more athleticism and is a little more reliable receiver, that's a good thing. And I think that's – you get a guy that's 231 pounds uh, you're getting a big receiver again that that can go downfield and and win those back shoulder throws from Joe Burrow. I I love this pick in round four.
2: And, and what you the, got in
1: round five, done. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no. The I thing didn't. I like about Gandy Golden is that he they they have time for development at wide receiver. Like we expect that this year they're okay at wide receiver, but next year suddenly things get a lot more questionable at that position. So I really like the opportunity for Gandy Golden to learn from Auden Tate, from A.J. Green, from Tyler Boyd, with Joe Burrow. It could be one of those developmental picks that really hits. In round five, though, Joe, I'm going back to the defense, and it's Kenny Willekies, and this might be late for him. He might be a fourth-round guy. He might even be a late third-round guy, like compensatory third-round range. So maybe I'm being a tad unrealistic here. The other guys I considered at this spot were Antonio Gibson, but I decided he would probably be gone. I thought about Ben Bredesen from Michigan, the interior offensive lineman. But ultimately, we've talked about this on the podcast. They only have three edge defenders on the roster right now. Willickies makes four. I think he's got the versatility to kick inside if he needs to on occasion. And he had a really fun workout video uh, so, you know, I'm sold and, and Michigan state guys, I feel like the Bengals like to pick a Michigan state guy every few years, you know? So we're due.
1: And we got another senior bowl guy. So, um, there's a theme here, right? You know, follows the trend a little bit. And I like what he's, a high effort guy that's better against the run. In my opinion, he tested like he should be a better pass rusher, but with those 31 inch arms, that typically means he probably won't be. I think he's an outside linebacker in a three, four defense. Uh, and that's a good thing. You know, I think he's a, because he's not as big as Hubbard is. He's a little, he's a little bit shorter, a little bit quicker. I believe side to side, um, he would fit that role a little bit better, but we're talking about the fourth edge guy. I do think they'll target an edge guy as soon as they can to start day three. So I, I and this is fifth round for you, but um, you know, I think this makes a lot of sense. I went the same direction in round five when we get to that. So who do you got for the last
2: two picks here? I, I just, I think I need to correct that. I said, I think he can kick inside. I, I... Misremembered his weight. He's actually 264, so maybe going inside as a rush uh, three tech is not really a good option. Round six, though, so I go for some familiarity for Joe Burrow, and I do not have a good feel for where Thaddeus Moss is going to go in this draft, but I think his testing for some teams is going to make him undraftable. I think he didn't have great production at LSU and what was a pretty stacked and well diversified offense, but he didn't have any drops. He clearly has comfort with Joe Burrow. Burrow was comfortable throwing it downfield to him, dumping it off to him. He is probably serviceable as a blocker. And all along, I've said it would be fun to have Randy Moss's kid in Cincinnati because then we would have Randy Moss hanging out in Cincinnati, and I think that would be fun. So, uh, again, maybe I'm around late or two on both these guys, Wilkie's and Moss, but I uh, I go with uh, Randy Moss's son. Thaddeus Moss, because I think the testing is going to push him down.
1: Yeah, and I think um, it's okay to be around late on some of these guys because the Bengals picked number one. So we should be aiming for that guy that's supposed to go around earlier and see who falls. But with Thaddeus Moss, the recent rumors and reports, and I don't even know if they're reports, but stuff, back-channel stuff, is that they don't expect him to get drafted. Um, he has some injury history. Uh, they expect he even ran like a 4.85, if not slower, So we may be talking about Thaddeus Moss, an undrafted guy. And and with the connection with Burrow, maybe that's how that works out, which would be excellent. So uh, either way, i have to add him. And what are we talking about? Sixth round, it's a throwaway pick anyway. So I'm down for that.
2: All right, then seventh round. This is kind of uh, pick a name out of the hat that the Bengals have met with that you expect to be a late round undrafted type of guy. And I picked Michael Walker, double dipping at linebacker. He was pretty productive. He is fairly athletic, so Sure, why not? I mean, once you get to the seventh round, for me, maybe in the real draft I'll have preferences, but today, looking at it three days ahead of time, I've got I've got no preference. I just picked a name that the Bengals have met with.
1: Yeah, that, that works for me. That um, Double-dipping at linebacker, they did last year, but at least I feel better about Michael Walker this time. So, uh, yeah, I, that's obviously a position where they need to add a guy that can compete and start and play minutes, plus give them depth. So, yeah, it makes sense to me.
2: All right, Joe, let's get to your, well, real quick, what what would you grade this draft overall for the Bengals? I think I'm around like a a B plus, A minus, but Joe Burrow kind of brings all the grades up. So like maybe it's just an A because of Joe Burrow and they didn't punt the rest of the picks.
1: Right, you get an A plus starting with Burrow. I think getting Josh Jones at 33 is a a solid A. I think Logan Wilson is a B plus in the third round. I really like Antonio Ganey-Golden in the fourth. That's a solid B pick, and I kind of grade lower as we go down because I, I feel like the chances of hitting are, is kind of lower, so I don't know if that's how everyone does it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. so I think you're you're nailing the, – the most important one is the first three picks, and you pretty much nailed them out of the park, so
2: it's a solid A. Well, I hope that we get a solid A from the Bengals. Let's see what your version of it, – it's more predictive, right? So, like, maybe I'm letting my biases cover, color this a little bit, but we try to think with the Bengals hat on. We'll see what Joe says in a minute. And remember, he is generally –
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: All right, Joe, we're ready to go with your final mock draft. This is the first time in a while you haven't had it written down. This is a Locked On Bengals exclusive. Joe Goodberry Bengals mock draft. We know we're starting with Joe Burrow, so let's just jump into the second round. Who do you got at 33, Joe?
1: Well, I'm expecting a run on offensive linemen. And because of it, I think we can push some guys back. Uh, latest reports and rumors are that um, Jordan Brooks and Logan Wilson are, are highly considered in, as top 40, 45 picks or so. I think that could shake up the linebacker order. And if Patrick Queen's still there at 33, well, we wouldn't necessarily think it's a slam dunk pick, I could see the team thinking it – I struggle with this because all of my past history and data says, well, he's kind of small for what they typically draft, and he doesn't have the production that they typically draft at linebacker. So don't be surprised if they pass on Patrick Queen and watch fans go nuts And uh, at 33, but I'm going to say that um, once in a while you, you try something different at linebacker, and maybe they're ready for that, and that's where you go with Patrick Queen at 33.
2: Yeah, that would be a pretty surprising pick to me. A, because he's available. B, because he just doesn't fit anything the Bengals have really done in the past. But the Bengals just did a bunch of things that we've never seen them do in the past. And despite all of the questions mm-hmm. in Queen's profile, despite the lack of productivity, coming out maybe a year early, uh, you know, starting to. He, you know, he didn't win the starting job until halfway through the year. He's a great athlete. He's, he's got yeah. a very easy projection to be a solid cover backer. I, I don't know if he's a three down backer right away, but I think he's at least in your nickel package instead of Josh Bynes. And I think it's a significant up, upgrade there. And I think he can play in the base if he has to. And the, the thing that I really like about Patrick Queen is he's got great speed. He's good at, at dealing with blocks, even if he's not a stack and shed type. He When he does hit somebody, he generally hits them like he means it. So in a division where you've got to deal with Lamar Jackson, adding speed at the second level is not something I'm going to complain about. So I would be pretty happy with Patrick Queen, ultimately, even if we do have questions from an analytical perspective.
1: And some of those questions analytically people ask, why? You know, well, I, I don't understand the you know, production, the guy didn't start. Yes, that's part of the red flag of why didn't he start? You know, and it's because he wasn't calling plays. If you read Bob McGinn's um, scout quotes on, on Patrick Queen, they're like, he's not an alpha linebacker. He's, you're, not, you're not bringing him in to be your guy. Uh, he's going to be a complimentary piece, and I, I would agree with that. I think the projection shows that. I think our analytics show that. If that you know, if he's a number two linebacker, you're happy with it. Uh, I reached out to Jim Coburn, who we get a lot of production data from, and asked him for a comparable for a guy that uh, didn't have the game-to-game production and was straight-line speed but on the smaller side. And he said Bruce Carter of North Carolina was drafted second round to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, if you remember him, and he played for six years or so and was never really – a top guy uh, but he was serviceable for a short period of time and I found that interesting that that's the guy out of his entire database that's that aligns mostly with Patrick Queen
2: yeah it would be a very interesting pick for sure there are a lot of fans that would be thrilled though and so for the Bengals if you want to go two straight LSU guys to start you're gonna win over some fans I think and I wouldn't love the pick, but I certainly wouldn't hate the pick the way that we were scratching our heads about that Drew Sample pick. But let's go to round three, Joe. 65, the last pick before compensatory picks really screw the Bengals out of a little bit of their pick value this year. What do you got? So I, as I said,
1: offensive line run in round one leaves them with somebody they want in round two in terms of linebacker at a different position. I think then there is good value at the top of round three for offensive line. And I gave them Lucas Niang and i think he can come in and compete right away at right tackle and, and he is dealing with an injury and he you know i think that's part of it where you can with fred johnson with bobby hart if he was healthy if Niang was healthy he's probably looking at top 40 pick even in this class maybe but i bet it wouldn't be surprised if he goes round one because these guys are getting pushed up they probably shouldn't be uh i so i think the Bengals have the opportunity to afford him to get healthy before they need him to play like we said this is a draft pick that anytime you're drafting you have to look once two years down the line and with niang he could come in and take his time maybe even play at right guard halfway down the year if that's the case but i believe he would eventually beat out bobby hart at right tackle whether that's end of the year or next year
2: yeah i would certainly not complain about going quarterback linebacker offensive tackle and if we went the opposite order which I did quarterback, offensive tackle, linebacker. I think that's ideal because you're marrying up value with need a little bit better. But if you get Patrick queen, that's a guy that for most people has fallen out of round one that has a really good profile and chance of success. Even if our certain analytics don't say so. And if you're getting Lucas Niang in the third round, this is a guy that maybe before the process started was thought of more highly than a third round pick necessarily. I think that he certainly projects to tackle, and he played right tackle at TCU, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's 6'6", 315, with 34 and a quarter inch arms. Uh, On tape, I gave him an 80 grade, which should definitely be a fringe first type guy.
2: Yeah, so you're pretty happy with that in the third round, and that is a really good important point that you make, Joe. It's important to remember that Rookies in the NFL don't contribute at a high level right away, 99% of the time. When you're drafting guys, you Mm -hmm. have to account for the learning curve of the NFL. Maybe you're getting, we saw this with Jermaine Pratt. Great example. Maybe you're getting you know, 90% of their future potential by the end of their rookie year. But for the first half of that rookie year, if you're asking a guy in the third round to come in and start, you're going to get what Michael Jordan did. You're going to get early season Jermaine Pratt. These guys need time to learn, so when you're making a pick like this it's for the future, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, one last
1: point on Niang. He has, from PFF, an 85.1 grade in true pass sets, which is very uh, indicative of his actual ability to pass protect. That 85.1 is in line with Tristan Wirth's 85.1, Josh Jones 81.9, and Andrew Thomas 83.5. Look at Mekhi Becton with a 68, and Jedrick Wills with a 79. So you're getting a pass protector that's better in zone run blocking as well. So I, I think that fits.
2: I trust those SEC guys a little bit more than I would trust Lucas Niang in the Big 12 or whatever conference that is Mm -hmm. now. But you're, you're still not complaining when you get him in the third round. So that's a pretty solid start for me. Let's go to the fourth round. Let's go to day three. There have been three extra compensatory picks in the sandwich there. So the Bengals are picking a little bit later than they expected maybe when the process started. But what have you got at the top of day three, Joe? Its one of the last guys I've watched before this process has
1: ended for us, and uh, it was a guy that you weren't very interested in because that four six one I think, and he looks like a slot guy. But I went with Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State because when I punched in all of his data and to see who the Bengals typically draft at receiver, Isaiah Hodgins fits exactly what they normally draft and he's six four. Uh, 210 pounds. Yeah, the 4-6-1 is below what they normally draft, but they also drafted Muhammad Sanu with a 462 before. Uh they I mean they drafted on tape. But those are seventh round that's a seventh round pick. So, they have dipped into the slower side if everything else matches up and with Hodgins, it does uh because it, he had a um a 68 breakout age and 83 dominator rating. Even his RES was better than that 4 that 46 with a 70 Six percentile. So uh, you you look at his PFF grade also, eighty seven point five nine. So that eighty seven is only behind Lavisca Chenault and T Higgins and Tyler Johnson. That's it. So they loved him. He was very productive. When I watched Isaiah Hodgins, I think he can do more than just be in the slide. And he did play outside a bunch. Uh, it, his breakdown for for uh, from PFF is thirty three snaps in the slot, seven hundred and fifty seven on the outside. So while he may look like he's going to dominate in the slot, and I think he really would, I do think you can put him outside and win that way because he has the ball skills, he has the the, the ability to box out with that six foot four frame, and he isn't a bad athlete. He's a he ends up above average, one point one percent drop rate. We talked about Antonio Golden, two point two, which is really good. One point one is the best. You're looking at the guy with the best hands in the draft.
2: You know, PFF superlative for best... No, Matt Miller's superlative for best hands was Devin Duvernay, incidentally. But Antonio Mm -hmm. Gandy-Golden and and Isaiah Hodgins actually do compare athletically to some degree. They both... I mean, Gandy-Golden ran a 4.62. He just doesn't look... Like, to me, Hodgins on tape looked slow. He didn't look explosive. He looked one speed. But he's also... He's pretty smooth. He does look like he moves easily. I don't know. I guess I could get behind it. That's a pick that I would like to see maybe be one round later, but he was very productive and the Bengals had a lot of success. The last time they drafted a couple wide receivers out of uh, Oregon, Oregon state. They're both orange and black and they're both OSU. What? I mean, it's very hard, but uh, I I can't criticize a pick too much, right? Because Gandy golden also has that four, six speed, which is my primary knock. On Isaiah Hodgins I think I think his explosion uh, testing is a little bit better though Golden's jumps Gandy Golden's jumps
1: yeah for sure and you can see that on film uh, but he also has 20 something pounds on Hodgins so that testing is a uh, you know I mean you can take it like that and look at it but anyways next pick now so we're now into round five and this is a guy that's been connected with the Bengals a whole bunch he's at the senior bowl Uh, And they seem to bring him in for a few workouts since then. And I think once he weighed in and and tested, I think uh, people looked at him a little bit differently after that and and thought, okay, maybe he's got some upside to him. And that's Azur Kamara out of Kansas. And he's 6'3, 245, 35 inch arms, 35 and a quarter, really, which is freaky for a guy that's 6'3. I think when you look at him and looking at the senior bowl, I went back and watched some of the clips there too before I did this. He definitely looks raw. He looks like he needs the time to develop. And if the Bengals really like him, they tend to pick some of these guys a little bit early at times. We saw with Drew Sample, right? They liked him and, and picked him. If, if they take a Zirk in the third round, we need to throw something again this year. But I've got him in the fifth here. And I think as the fourth edge guy, a lot of the same things I'll say about Kenny Willikies and your pick in the same range, I think it is, uh, that they're going to take an edge somewhere in the first five picks, in my opinion. And we kind of both put it off to the end. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Terrell Lewis in the third round or, or you know, name somebody in the fourth. And I think that's definitely a direction they could go.
2: And that's where you really want to see them add a pick, right? If they if it makes sense to add a pick, yeah. that's that's the way you do it. And that's the way that you hit one of these extra positions. It, it kind of hurts to pick some of these positions right now when you're bringing in a quarterback when you just spent so much money on defense. Azur Kamara, though, is a very commonly drafted, mocked drafted, I should say, name to the Bengals in the sixth round. Because of that contact they had, I honestly can't bring myself to get upset about it. He grades out ahead of Josh Uchi in our system because of Josh Uchi's production scores. <laughs> I think we would both rather have Uchi than Kamara. But uh, I, I see the tools. They did it last year with Ronell Ren. Ronell Wren on the older side. How old is Azur Kamara? Do you know?
1: No, but I don't think age is a concern when I read his profile from uh, Jim Coburn.
2: There you go. On to the next.
1: On to the next. This is probably my favorite pick for day three so far, and that is Dalton Keene, tight end out of Virginia Tech. And I don't know where they'll target a tight end, if at all. I mean, when you invest in Drew Sample and you don't really use them that much and you do kind of like I, – I think they like Stephen Carter and Mason Shrek, but you're bringing in an athlete that was productive – uh 6'3 or 6'4, 253, and his RAS was a 93rd percentile. I mean, you're getting a guy that and when I watched him, most of this was after-catch stuff. They put him out in the flats or in screens, and he'd just make guys miss every single time. I think you could get a guy and if he's six round, that's I think there's a slam dunk pick in terms of upside and projection, because uh I think that that's exactly what you want to get. You want a guy that's productive, that's athletic. In in a position that you could see him playing if something goes wrong uh, to the guys ahead of him or if or Sample doesn't develop, he'd be a great replacement for C.J. Ozama in two years.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's the most athletic tight end in our draft sheet, so you can't complain about getting him. And that was that the seventh rounder?
1: That's sixth rounder.
2: Oh, the sixth rounder, okay. So you, you, uh, you have Azur Kumar in the fifth round. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah. I, I've seen him a lot mocked to the Bengals in the sixth round. Yeah. But I mean, just last year, Rennell Wren, I, I think that we probably liked that pick more than we would like Kazura Kamara in the fifth round. But I think that that's one of those Joe Goodberry specials where if that happens, I won't be surprised at all. Dalton Keene, very interesting name though, going tight end in the sixth round. That's a really high upside pick. I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if he's gone by the sixth round in a, in a tight end class that's generally kind of weak and might push him up a little bit or maybe teams just will avoid the position But it seems like nice value, a nice upside swing for the athleticism. So seventh round,
1: I gave myself a hopeful pick that I kind of want them to make. And the only connection is the senior bowl. So I don't know if they uh, had any contact at all. But it's Tyler Bass, the kicker out of Georgia Southern. And I cannot get his performance from practices out of my mind. He was kicking 65 yarders and they were halfway up the net. Um, He was just booming them. The ball just flew off his foot. Uh, even he's kicking right next to Rodrigo Blankenship and that's like the number one kicker for a lot of people and based on stats it makes sense Uh, but man what he did at the senior bowl put on a show I mean we're talking about a, a Jake Elliott type guy that has a crazy leg that if you need a 65 yarder you put him out there because you think he can do it and I think Zach Taylor probably may miss a little bit of uh Greg, the legs airline and for the Rams, because how, how often can that save your offense when you sputter on third down from the 40 yard line? So it, it's a weapon and I, I hope they would make that pick.
2: Yeah. I uh, have a hard time seeing it. I'll believe they're going to address kicker when they do, but this was the same offseason when, you know, despite my, I think they're going to be different. Uh, it was also a lot of, oh, we'll believe it when we see it, but we've seen it. So Right. Maybe they do go after a kicker. It wouldn't surprise me, on the other hand, if somebody goes after Tyler Bass before the Bengals pick in the seventh round, he could be a late sixth round, mid-sixth round kind of guy. Teams do tend to draft kickers. Uh At least one or two, it seems like, every year. So, Joe, let's summarize your mock, and I'll try to throw a grade at it.
1: All right, so what we're looking at here is, obviously, Joe Burrow, Patrick Queen, Lucas Nayang. Isaiah Hodgins, Azura Kamara, Dalton Keene, and Tyler Bass didn't really get the value picks after Niang in round three, but I think they're guys that fit the profile.
2: Yeah, I really like day one and day two here. I don't really love day three. Isaiah Hodgins is not my dude. We've talked about that before. I would understand why the fit makes sense for the Bengals in terms of their history, but I, I and, and I even understand the fit to some degree with Joe Burrow. That's a really big athlete with really good hands. You can probably trust him to do his job. That kind of works with Joe Burrow as a wide receiver, right? I just Mm. would honestly prefer a little bit more of an athletic upside there. And Antonio Gandy-Golden doesn't necessarily give it to you, but he looks more dynamic on tape. He looks more explosive on tape. So there's a little bit of hope there for, even if it's not either of those guys, like a Devin Duvernay, somebody exciting uh, would be a really interesting way to go for a receiver. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, I, I I just don't love the rest of the picks here on day three. Azur Kamara doesn't excite me, but it, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Uh, in the fifth round, I think that I would probably end up giving that like a C. I didn't like the Ronell-Ren pick that much last year either, and he's probably a better, a better prospect, but he was older. And then in the sixth round, Dalton Keene I think is a really interesting pick. I wouldn't knock it. That's a solid, you know, B for me and then Tyler Bass would be great. That'd be fun. That that's a B plus, A minus cuz we we're we're sick of watching them punt from the 40-yard line and it'd be nice to have a kicker that you could send out there to to get some points in those scenarios. But the day 1 I think is really nice. And and getting Patrick Queen would be seen as a tremendous value. Lucas Niang I think is an excellent value in the third round. So those things really set up a good foundation for the future i just kind of wonder would you get anything out of the back half of the class
1: yeah i could see that and uh i think dalton keen would be the one you would get on the back half and a Tyler other best ends up your kicker then those are your your yeah. two picks i expect them to waste a couple picks somewhere and that's why i did the kamara even though he is a developmental edge guy you kind of have to reach for those guys as you get into that range but uh, overall i think uh You know, people would be excited about this draft, although I think the year one impact will be low.
2: And that's totally fine. I think a year, a low year one impact is, is for the most part, okay. I would like to see some possibility of an immediate improvement to the offensive line with a rookie Joe Burrow back there, but it might not make sense. And if there's a run on tackles in the first round, then it probably won't make sense. But those are our mocks. I think Joe's probably a a little more realistic than than I am. I've got some guys falling maybe beyond where they'll actually be available. But that's it. The the draft is here, folks. We'll be maybe live tomorrow night for the draft. Be sure to check out. Our Twitter feeds for details there, that's going to be largely dependent on how everybody's feeling. But regardless, we'll be back with an episode at some point for you to set the table for Friday because we all know what's happening tomorrow. The Bengals are going to pick Joe Burrow. We're going to have a celebratory podcast talking about how great he is. And then things will get interesting for the rest of the weekend. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music